Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. And welcome to the August edition of Law Technology Now. We have uh, quite a show for you today. We're going to talk about a raging controversy in the e-discovery world about uh, courses and exams for certification of e-discovery skills. And I've got two terrific guests, Patrick Oot and Albar Sacchini. And I will tell you all about them momentarily. But first, I'm going to do the housekeeping we do on every show and remind you that there are three different ways you can hear Law Technology Now. You can go to ALM's website at www.lawtechnologynow.com. You can go to the Legal Talk Network's site at legaltalknetwork.com. And as I always say, because we are so cool, we are in iTunes. Um, Patrick, let's start with you. Tell our audience, if you would, a little bit about your background, particularly in e-discovery, and um, go for it. Sure. Um, I'm a former in-house corporate counsel, uh, and I've also formed a nonprofit organization called the Electronic Discovery Institute. And although my comments do not reflect my agency, I am special counsel for electronic discovery at the Securities and Exchange Commission. And Patrick, you've been very active in not just your own um, uh, uh, think tank, but also with Georgetown and with Sedona. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you've done with those two groups? Uh, yeah, thanks, Monica. I think that there, there are two major organizations uh, that have had a tremendous effect on the practice of electronic discovery and uh, technology litigation today. Uh, you know, the first uh, being the Sedona Conference. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware of the organization uh, and you are practicing in the area, I would check out the Sedona Conference website. The materials are free. It's uh, www.thesedonaconference.org. Org. Uh, the organization is a uh, significant number of practitioners and uh, federal and state judges that are focusing on um, policies and guidelines and uh, proposed ideas on how to deal with the electronic discovery problem. Uh, there are representatives from um, almost every major AMLAW uh, 100 law firm. There is a significant number of judges, uh, particularly federal judges, that are in Involved in the organization and include, I think, uh, over 50 federal judges and state court judges that have signed on to the Sedona Conference Pro- uh, Cooperation Proclamation. And a little bit about Georgetown? Sure. And then uh, Georgetown's CLE program, Georgetown Law School, who, who most folks have known, uh, has been uh, putting together a uh, CLE program. Now, I think we're on the eighth year. I am on the advisory board. And uh, we also, uh, our, our nonprofit organization helps participate with the uh, the, the pizza party after the event. Um, but again, it's, it's a lot of the uh, thought leadership from the community. Uh, I think it has 12 federal judges that attended last year's event. Uh, this year's coming up in November. Um, the, uh, it, the content, I think, is, is some of the best content out there because a lot of uh, preparation goes into this program. Uh, information on that is at uh, Georgetown's website. It's www.law.georgetown.edu slash CLE. 
and you can locate the uh, the program agenda there. Georgetown, um, you know, as I said, I've been involved for for many years now, and it's it's one of my favorite programs because it sells out every year. Uh, it has a diverse range of of players uh, from government employees, plaintiffs' lawyers, um, uh, defense counsel, judges, corporate lawyers. It's it's a real good mashup. Uh, you know, the only thing that that, that could come uh, even close to it uh, is legal tech, and, and legal tech is is just its own unique monster uh, where you know you get everybody. So this is a, a good sampling of the everybody. Uh, it's it's not as big as legal tech, but at least the uh, the content is there, and uh, I think it's 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 well worth a check in. And uh, I was very very uh, honored to be invited to speak at it last year, and you can read my reports on our website at lawtechnews.com or at the Common Scold. Um, like Patrick Albarsicini is a member of our LTN board of of advisors, and Al, tell us a little bit about your extensive background in e-discovery. Yes, Monica. I'm located in the San Francisco Bay Area. I practiced as a first-year trial attorney for 15 years. Then I was with Guidance Software for eight years as one of their subject matter experts in a role as Assistant General Counsel. And uh, prior to that, I also was chair of the California State Bar Law Practice Management Technology Section. Uh, Currently, I'm an independent consultant uh, focused on e-discovery, data protection, and internal investigations. And the three of us took on uh, quite an interesting subject in the cover story of our August issue in Law Technology News um, and tackled the, the concept of these new courses that are popping up from both uh, for-profit organizations and not-for-profit organizations that are offering training and testing and certification as a as a certified e-discovery uh, uh, personnel, I guess would be the best way to to put it. Um, this has raised no small amount of controversy, um, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, the The overarching theme is that the critics are very skeptical about these courses, which they say. Uh, target the most vulnerable members of our legal technology community, uh, particularly contract lawyers and paralegals. Uh, They're expensive courses, and um, many of the critics are saying that you, if you are a lawyer, you can't even put the fact that you've got the cre- the credential on any of your uh, business cards or whatever, because it violates a lot of state bar uh, rules about specialization. Uh, Advocates for these programs say that there is a dismal lack of training available and that these programs may not be perfect, but they're a step in the right direction and that they help employers screen uh, to get employees who have at least a modicum of information. We're going to dive into those theories, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, uh, two programs. Sherry Estrin is the brains behind the Organization of Legal Professionals, and her organization, OLP, has just launched one of these credential programs, and they are a nonprofit. And then we also have an interesting sidebar in the feature about Ralph Losey. Now, Ralph does not offer a certification program, but before uh, they even put the E in front of discovery, he has been ranting about the um, 
lack of appropriate training in law schools. And in fact, he is a faculty member uh, in addition to his role at uh, uh, a major law firm. And he has put together a comprehensive package of courses that lead to testing, but not a certification per se, but you get tested to say that you have passed this. And I think uh, Losi has probably taped every single judge that ever saw an e-discovery case. But we'll dive into that. That's the quickie intro. And I want to turn the mic over to Patrick, who's going to tell us why uh, a fair amount of people are pretty upset about these um, certification tests. Patrick, it's all yours. You know, Monica, uh, I'm uh, uh, on the younger side of the uh, attorney spectrum. I'm, I'm not a junior, but I, I recently graduated from law school in uh, 2001. Um, you know, one of the things coming out of law school is a lot of folks uh, that didn't get the job offer first round, particularly in this economy, are looking at ways to distinguish themselves from their peers in the job market. Um, so I, I think that folks in that position, like I was in that position uh, that many years ago, are are really looking for opportunities. So there's the perfect storm, so to say, to um, to to target these folks um, with uh, opportunity in in education. Now I'm. I'm kind of on board with with uh, Ralph's concept of education versus certification. Um, I, I agree with him that there is definitely a need uh, for education in our space, but I don't think, however, that um, some of these certification organizations are um, are the answer. I, uh, some of the stuff that I've been seeing right now, uh, we're seeing predatory marketing practices, uh, quote unquote, careers are made here, don't left behind. Um, or a statement that uh, certification might lead to a better job. I think that's uh, illusionary because uh, I, I know a lot of the practitioners in this space, particularly the hiring partners in these roles, uh, particularly the, the folks in government organizations that are, are leadership in these roles uh, for their particular agency. Um, and then finally, at, uh, at at corporations as well. So I, I don't see in the marketplace, uh, first and foremost, that this any particular certification is going to distinguish you uh, from the rest of your peers. I think what would do something like that, if I was a young attorney in that role, would be uh, attending some of the you know established events like Legal Tech, uh, finding out about what some of the technology that's out there, like Georgetown, uh, to find out what are the uh, the current CLE program that that's being trained by a reputable law institution like Georgetown Law, um, and then finally the Sedona conference to find out where uh, policy is going. So I, I just have a really difficult time with uh, some of the promises that are marketed to uh, recent graduates, contract attorneys, and paralegals. Because if you think about it, most of us walked out of law school with over $100,000 in debt, uh, unless you were fortunate enough to get uh, some sort of type of uh, tuition assistance, and uh, to pile on an extra $1,000 here and $1,000 there for or a certification that isn't necessarily worth the paper that it's printed on, um, you know, just is, is is probably not a good idea. The you know the final aspect of this is 
that uh, you know, outside of what the perception from the marketplace is, the the content I think is is key when you're looking at any education and training program, and, and, and the content is also correlated to who's building the content. Are they real practitioners? Well, how are they involved? Are these uh, judges that are uh, that are teaching some of these classes? Uh, sometimes at law school, sometimes at CLE programs. Are they actually hearing about uh, the cases? And I think uh, when you see uh, the distinguishing factor between um, you know some of the established uh, or organizations that are putting educational content out there versus uh, some of the uh, the newfound uh, certification organizations, you're going to find that there is a significant difference between the uh, academic quality of the content, and it isn't just a test that that that's going to matter uh, in, in putting something on your resume. Let's put a little bit of context in this for our listeners who might not be familiar with it. Um, there, I'm just going to use two examples, and Al's going to talk to us a little bit about one of them because he actually took the test. Um, there, Right now, the, and our article goes into this, uh, there are a lot of vendors coming up on this, but one is called the Association of Certified E-Discovery Specialists. That's a for-profit program. And then I mentioned earlier the, the Organization of Legal Professionals, which is a not-for-profit. But in researching the stories, I found that the two organizations are very, very parallel in what they are doing in terms of how they're structuring these courses and exams. In both cases, both of the organizations have worked with an outside vendor to actually deliver the testing, and they're done in testing facilities, and they're multiple choice tests. Both of the organizations offer courses that folks can take uh, as a prep course for these tests. But that one of the 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 uh, components that both organizations hype as what makes them different from other programs is they have requirements for work experience, training, um, uh, uh, personal references, employee recommendations, and. Um, both of the organizations state that these 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 are elements that make the certification more than oh golly gee whiz I just passed a test. Um, so it's kind of interesting, and I hope our listeners will go and take a look at the issue, which is available online at www.lawtechnews.com. So it's not just you go take a test and you're done. Um, the the argument a lot of the the folks who are supporting these say is hey it's you know some education is better than nothing and we're not trying to be anything more than what we're saying we are but uh, patrick before i turn the mic over to al one of the things as a lawyer i found the most interesting on this and and i'm a member of the california bar which has really strict regulations on what you can tell your clients about in terms of your specialization. There's very, very rigid rules on even using that word. Um, and you aren't, you know, what you can put on your business cards, etc. Why is this um, uh, question of certification such a hot button when it comes to so many bars about putting yourself forward as being specialized in something? And one other, one other quick comment before I turn it back to you is, is, Everyone we spoke to made it really clear that 
this pro these programs are not the same as getting certified in a specific vendor technology. And and Al, when when we turn the mic to you, talk a little bit about that too, because I think guidance is among the many vendors who you know, and I think Kroll and other folks where you can go and you can actually get trained in their specific vendor product and be certified in that. But that's a different issue than what we're talking about. So, Patrick, I'll, I'll give that back to you. Sure. And, and again, Monica, I'm not really targeting any of the technical certifications that are out there. I think that those have value. Microsoft has them. Uh, Guidance has them. Some of the other uh, sort of uh, vendors in our space have certifications on their particular technology. But it's my feeling uh, if you're an attorney, on the other hand, or a legal practitioner, you really can't certify judgment. And that's what the rules of professional conduct and the rules of professional responsibility are getting at. Um, and what these sort of certifications are doing is they're creating fictional distinguishing factors uh, from the rest of the community. So to say that you are certified or you are better than somebody else that's practicing in the space, uh, it's creating a kind of a, a false claim because um, it's not really showing that you have true academic training in the program or alternatively uh, practice in the courts or practice practice uh, for clients and their organizations. It's just showing that you've um, you've gone through some employee screening and taken an exam. You know, some of the two of the states on point here that have addressed this, uh, in addition to California, Monica, are, are both Illinois and New York. Um, New York in particular states, a lawyer may state that a lawyer has been recognized or certified only uh, if the lawyer is certified in a special practice area of law, and that has been accredited by the ABA. And in addition to that, every time that they list their certification, they have to put a four-line disclaimer after that, that certification saying that the certifica- certifying organization is not affiliated with any governmental authority, certification is not required for the practice of law in the state of New York, and does not necessarily indicate greater competence than other attorneys experience in this field of law. What the state was trying to do is to try to remove this fictional veil of credibility that um, uh, uh, certification shops are, are trying to warrant. Now, again, I'm not against education. Um, I'm, I'm all for it, but just by the participation and all the, the nonprofit uh, things that I do, I am a little bit suspect of a group of, uh, of of any organization that um, is either selling services or trying to uh, elevate themselves in the community by some sort of fictional criteria that was created internally to that organization. So if this was a... Um, a much broader type of appeal with uh, if some of the leadership from the Sedona Conference, or some of the leadership from Georgetown Law Center was consulted, or or even you know faculty from from some of these organizations. I think that. Um, you know, you could start to make the, the the discussion of how can you create a criteria of minimum competency. However, and I'm going to think- cut you off so that we can take a quick break and then get back to Albert. But I got to make one comment because you're saying the stuff is fictional, and I have I can guarantee you that that all of these providers would argue very strenuously that it's not at all fictional. But I think we get your drift in terms of what you're saying on that. And we're going to take a quick break to get a word. From from our wonderful sponsor, Firm Manager from LexisNexis. We'll be right back with Albar Sacchini. 
Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. If you like listening to Law Technology Now, you might also like the podcast, The Kennedy Mile Report on LegalTalkNetwork.com. And we're back. Uh, I'm Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News, and we're going to talk now with Albert Barsaccini. And uh, uh, for LTN, uh, Al went to uh, the, the uh, testing on the um, ACED, the Association for of Certified E-Discovery Specialists. Um, Al, tell us about your adventure and, and, and what you thought of the whole process. Uh, thank you, Monica. And Patrick, I appreciate your points. Um, my first kind of primary comment is that uh, I think that a lot of the people that are entering into um, education courses are not just somebody coming from a different profession. A lot of them are professional paralegals and other types of professionals. And I think they've, you know, they have the capabilities to do a lot of research on the programs and try to get a certain level set on what exactly they're going to get out of it. I do appreciate there's confusion over what certification means. Um, I don't think these programs were intended to be a certification for an attorney. In fact, most of the uh, participants that I see taking these programs, such as ACED, are more in the paralegal class that are taking it. And, and the same way that when I was at Guidance Software and we have our EMC certification, um, just because going through that certification may give you a uh, EMC certification doesn't provide any more elevation to your bar ticket. Um, I was interested in, in these programs, and since I always think that the proof is in the pudding, I decided to go ahead and go through the course. Uh, the course has a variety of methods for education. There's some online uh, interactive uh, course that you can take. There is a live uh, full-day course you can take. And then they also require some practical experience as well that you must fulfill. I think these type of courses are obviously an evolutionary track. We are just at the beginning. I suspect within a um, as each uh, month and year goes by that these courses are going to become much more sophisticated. But I think this stuff is healthy because at least it starts at some um, level. Just like with the EDRM, it provided a level set regarding the e-discovery process. I also think these courses will also have the same effect. Um, when I went through the um, ACED certification process, um, I had already um, had enough of the uh, so-called um, preliminary uh, qualifications to then go right into the, to the training part. 
I took the uh, interactive online course, which was a series of questions and answers that you had to fill out. There was a course book that you had to um, go through. And then you had to, um, there was a full day of uh, interactive uh, training that uh, accompanied as well. The actual test is approximately 150 multiple choice questions. It takes about three hours to complete. And um, going through that um, certification of uh, questions and answers, you know, I, found, I found that it, it did generally hit all the topics and all the um, things that are of general interest in regard to the e-discovery process. I don't think that um, someone who has gone through any uh, this particular course, um, in my personal opinion, are ready to jump in the fire and take on an e-discovery um, by themselves. But at least it gives the um, the employer um, some idea of some knowledge base that they can then use in conjunction with whatever prior training or experience that particular person has. I did note that when I was studying the ACED and, and was looking through their website and all the material, um, I did notice that the board of directors are impressive. There are a lot of them are trial attorneys with impressive records, so it's not some sort of um, it, all these people have a, a, a knowledge base in the industry. They're experienced trial attorneys. They have um, a, a level of knowledge that would um, make them be able, to, uh, um, be able to understand what type of criteria is important in the certification uh, process. At the end of the day, when I went through the actual um, course and took the actual exam, I felt that it had again, hit all the uh, the main points of the e-discovery process. And there was some detailed questions as well that drilled down during the processing. I, I think there's different um, aspects of, of these courses. Uh, the Ralph Losey course is more heavily weighted towards the law. I think the ACID course is more weighted towards uh, practitioner in the sense of being able to go in there and assist with the collection and processing using specified technology. And so they all have their specific um, types of, of interests. And, and I do think that um, creating a, a full disclosure when you go into these courses about exactly what you're going to get out and what that means is very important. And so if I had any criticism of any of these courses, you'd see I'd like to see more information about the disclosure. But at the end of the day, I did felt that they served a purpose. I think it's a great starting point and level set for individuals that are interested in trying to gain some sort of uh, knowledge base to enter into the industry. And I am sure they're all going to progress. I'd like to actually see maybe different levels of cert uh, certification um, where they could go in as an entry level, and then you could have different levels depending upon uh, in different areas of the ERM process. Um, but again, we're just at the beginning, Monica, and, and I think this is a good start, and I think the people that are coming into it to take these courses are not uh, not being taken advantage of it in a predatory fashion, but in fact are, are very skilled individuals that have had a lot of education behind them, and I'm sure they can make a lot of these uh, judgments on their own, what courses they feel will be helpful in regard to their um, specific uh, interest. Well, if there was one theme that came out of the package, I think it could be summed up as do your homework. Make sure that if you are going to do something like this or take one of the courses, that it's really genuinely going to help you and that it's going to to, to that you're aware of the of the um, potential uh 
ethic problems if you're an attorney, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we're running out of time, so I want to give each of you a chance to sum up. And would you also please be sure to tell our listeners how they can reach out to you um, if they uh, want to contact you? And Al, let's start with you. Thank you, Monica and Patrick. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think we're still at the beginning of this whole uh, process I, I know there's a lot of semantics involved in what certification means. I think there needs to be clarity there. I think there definitely needs to be more input from a national level, from bar associations, about what the certification effect will have on a, an attorney taking it and also on a paralegal. But at the end of the day, I do think it serves a useful purpose, and it is a starting point. If you need to reach me for a further debate on this, which I'd love to do, I can be reached at barsakini at gmail.com. And I want to thank Patrick and I want to thank Monica for sponsoring this because I think this is very important that we have dialogue on it. And I think at, when we look at five years down the road, it's going to be a lot different than it is today. And Patrick, uh, you get the last word on that. Well, I get the last word, but you get the second to last word on it. Well, thanks, Monica. Uh, you know, in sum, I'd like to agree with you. Is kind of the the look before you leap. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily believe the window dressings of a website. I would actually do some research, call some judges, call some practitioners in the space that aren't necessarily affiliated with any uh, particular program and see what the opinion of the bar and of the bench is. Um, I personally did uh, a, a series of interviews around 50 corporate counsel, so clients um, that I talked to, and over 30 lawyers at law firms about these types of progr- programs. And there was a significant amount amount of suspicion uh, within the organization of, of folks that I talked to. And um, really, uh, you know, I guess the, the final guidance is here is that uh, turning to a provider that has been doing this for uh, more than just a year or two uh, with, uh, with a, a deep, deep, deep understanding of, uh, of, the, uh, of the issues. And then finally, um, you know, talk to some of the judges in the space. Uh, I know that particularly Judge Facciola, Judge Grimm, Judge Francis, uh, Judge Shinland, uh, they are all open to hearing from young lawyers in this space, and uh, I, would, I would definitely reach out to them and, and talk to them of, of, of what their opinion might be of taking some of these programs, and I'm sure that they will offer you alternative guidance if, if, they, uh, if, they, if they don't think that something like this is a good idea. Uh, for those of you that want to get a hold of me, uh, my email address is uh, Patrick at lawinstitute.org. That's P-A-T-R-I-C-K at lawinstitute.org. And I'd like to thank Monica and Al for, uh, for putting this web, webcast together. I think it's, uh, it's going to be a great event, and I'm looking forward to the issue. Well, thanks to both of you. And now's the time when I get to uh, give my shout outs to everyone. First of all, to our wonderful sponsor, Firm Manager from LexisNexis. Want to remind you that you can listen to this podcast on three sites at ALM's site, lawtechnologynow.com, at our colleague Legal Talk Network's site, which is legaltalknetwork.com. And be sure you, by the way, check out the upcoming August issue because our favorite uh, producer Lou Ann Reeb is actually featured in one of the articles that we have. Not this one, a different one. 
Um, you can find us always on the iTunes podcast library. Uh, special thanks go out to Ms. Luann Reeb, Scott Hess, Mike Hockman, and Kate Kenny at the Legal Talk Network in New York, to David Snow and David Jasper here at ALM. And uh, always remember... There's no crying in baseball or technology, and we will see you in September. I'm Monica Bay. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.